You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Open your Bibles. We're going back down into the book of Ephesians. Take a couple of more messages to break down the last few verses here. While you're turning there, there's a couple that used to travel around the country. Um, and it was Johnny and Nelda Flanagan. Does anybody else know uh, the Flanagans besides you guys remember? They came here once, right? Or you got their songs on tape or something. Anybody else? You know the Flanagans, Judy? You guys know the Flanagans? Yvette. You know them. By the way, I have a guest with me today. Very proud to introduce to you my wife. <laughs> She's been gone for like 12 weeks. Or, oh, oh, it's just two. It seems like 12 weeks. That's what it is. Um, terrible, terrible job down babysitting our grandchildren. Just, she just hates to do that, but she makes herself do it every now and then. Um, so glad to be back with me. Yes, thank you. Johnny and Elda Flanagan, I'll get back to what I was going to be talking about here. Um, they sang a song that was entitled, um, You Walk Talks. And um, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> but I want all the people who know them stand and sing that song for me, please. Well, the song goes like, your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk talks more than your talk talks. So if you walk and if you talk, make sure that your walk talks the loudest. Can we all say that together? (laughs) Hopefully you caught what he was trying to say there is um, we walk and we talk, but what you say is not always what you really mean. I have come to see that to be very, very true. I, I, I can, um, I got to look up what this little saying means, but I can put on the dog And make you think one thing by what I say. But when you watch me all week long, you come to find out what the truth really is. What's really special is when the walk and the talk match up together and and it comes together. uh, Your Walk Talks is the title of my message today. Your Walk Talks. Before I get into this, I just got to tell you the end of a story. I think this is the end of it. It may be going on and on for all I know. But I told you guys about three weeks ago about visiting a couple in Desmet. Who remembers that story? So I I told you how I went to visit this couple. He had just gotten saved. We wanted to witness to his wife. And uh, and I I, I got there about 7.30 at night, and I was there till after 11. Uh, And it was quite a little drive out there. But about 11.15, I said, you know, I got to go. And so it's been a great time with you guys. And we believe she uh, already trusted Christ. and, And we talked about that. So as I pushed myself away from the table in these wooden chairs, uh, everybody heard this loud crack, and then they saw my feet going straight up in the air because the chair went over backwards, and I, I broke the chair. You're left to your own conclusions why I broke that chair. So anyway, Dwayne Earwood is coming there to that town, and he's going to pastor uh, uh, a church there, and they've already got a uh, work started. They'll have... Uh, 20 to 30 folks there sometimes in Little House on the Prairie Town, this met. 
And, um, and so uh, we're really excited about that. And Brother Earwood was so excited to go to the same house that I got to and visit with this couple and get to know them and, and help disciple them and so forth. And he went there one night last week. So they're all sitting around the same table, talking, carrying on. And um, Casey, the young man that got saved, is talking to Brother Earwood, the pastor, and I don't remember what he was doing, but he did something. And there was a loud crack. And Casey went flat to the ground <laughs> in the same chair that I broke. Uh, he thought, I can put this back together and put screws back in here and, and mesh it back together. I told him Gorilla Glue. He said, I didn't have the Gorilla Glue didn't work. But, and neither did the sheetrock screws didn't work either. Uh, I laughed and laughed so hard at that. Now, you didn't think that was so funny, but I thought that was hilarious. I laughed and laughed on the phone about that. Nothing to do with the message. I just had to finish up a story. Your walk talks, Ephesians 4. Um, now, before I read these, the, we read these verses, uh, we're going to be in verse 17. Before I read those, I want to remind you, it's really, really important you remember what I'm going to say right now. What we just read about in the previous verses of this chapter was... Um, Paul came to these people and said, now that you're saved, here's what you need to know. Don't miss this, he says. Every one of you have been given a spiritual gift. And with that spiritual gift, you can do some pretty special things in your, in your church and in your congregation. Now, you're supposed to act like Christ in all the other areas of Christ. But this one spiritual gift is a, is a virtue, a characteristic, a uh, one of the qualities about Jesus Christ, and there are seven of them, read Romans 12, those first 10 verses, you'll see what I'm talking about. And he was saying, y'all have a special gift. He didn't say y'all, but he said, you guys, I'm sure that's what he said, you guys, once you're saved, you have a special gift given by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was the first gift at salvation. Through the Holy Spirit, you received a gift. He went on to tell them this, that I'm going to give to your entire congregation uh, gifts as well. And those were, and I won't go back to, through the other two that have now passed off the scene, but now there's evangelist and pastor teachers. And that he gave those to the congregation to help build them up in Christ. And here was the big one. Pastors are supposed to help build up the congregation to teach them and to help them to be strong in the Lord so that they can do the work of the ministry. Because if a congregation is relying on a man, one man, a pastor, to help build up and to do everything that a congregation needs, that congregation is going to be sorely lacking. God knows that. God never intended me to do that. What I, my job is to do is to feed the flock. Uh, we, we receive the Word of God. It builds us up. My gift is just waiting to blossom, and I get busy in the ministry helping build up a congregation and edifying the believers. How many believe that's the Word of God? If not, read verses 1 to 16. It'll be a tremendous blessing and a help to you. Now, here's what he says in this next set of verses. It's what we need to understand. He says, if I've got a church full of people, and let's just bring it home to Eastside, if I've got a church full of people that are, are going to get up and they're going to get busy and they understand I have a duty to do and I have a gift of God within me to do it with, he says, here's what it's supposed to look like. Here's some guidelines and some structure that you're supposed to follow while you're helping build one another up. Looking around the congregation, finding somebody in need, um, 
hearing about a ministry that's lacking and I could maybe help fill in that need or any numbers of things that are going to come up in any congregation. While you are doing that, there's a certain way I need you to be sure you're acting because if you're not careful, you're going to go in a wrong direction. That's what he wants us to see here in this next set of verses. Look in verse uh, 17 with me, if you will. We'll read down to 24. So after all he said to them, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. Here's what you're supposed to look like. That ye henceforth, or from this point on in your understanding, walk not as other Gentiles walk. We're going to describe what that looks like, too, in their area, what the Gentiles were walking like in that day. In the vanity of their mind, verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, their lack of understanding, because of the blindness of their heart. Boy, this marks the world today. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This is kind of like one of those flashing lights in the middle of a passage. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. I hope that's true of all of us here today. Uh, How many of you have heard of Jesus you're not just heard of Jesus, you've received him into your life. Amen. Saved on your way to heaven. That's, so he's saying, if so be that I'm talking to the right people here, that this is the way you ought to be living. Verse 22 gets real distinct now. That you put off concerning the former conversation, which means your lifestyle. The old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you, put on, uh, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. First part of verse 22, look at it, that ye put off. First part of verse 24, and that ye put on. This is that put off, put on passage of Scripture that If you just decide as a congregation, if you as a member or an attender of this church decide, I'm going to get busy, i got to do something for God, then you have to be careful that you put off and put on if you're going to do it in a right way. That's what he's trying to say to us here, and we'll bring this out here in just a moment. Let's have a word of prayer. God, thank you, Lord, for the Word of God today that gives us such clear and distinct guideline and instruction today. Lord, I'm thankful that you showed us, uh, shown us, Lord, that uh, we all have a gift and that our job is to help do the work of the ministry and uh, build up a congregation and to reach out into a world and, and bring souls to Christ and uh, build that body up. But I thank you also that you've taught us how it's to be done. And may we with open eyes and listening ears, uh, please absorb what you tried to say to us here this morning. I'm asking personally for the power of God to be upon me and that you'll speak through this vessel to the glory of God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, over the last couple of weeks, I've made couple of long trips, one 
was over to Newell, Iowa for a wedding. And then just this week, I went down to Alcester for a funeral. And on the way there, the farmers were going crazy in their fields. And, um, and I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, I hit something that I have, have not smelled anything like that um, since my brother left the house. <laughs> Don't send a copy of this to him. Takes his tennis shoes off, and oh my goodness. Um, anyway, I'm driving along, and, and I'm, I'm going down the road, and I smack something, smacks me in the face, and I'm like, oh my goodness. <gasps> I'm seriously trying to hold it, and it just won't stop. I just, I took another breath. Oh, it's still there. And then I got up on this tractor that was plowing along, and um, it was squirting in rows black stuff out of the back end of the tractor. Now, is there any farmer here that knows what that is? No? Then I can make up what it was. I'm quite confident what it was. I think they liquefy the stuff in the, in the barnyard. You guys know that to be true? Yeah. Hey, how are you guys doing? Mitchellites over here. Praise the Lord. Good to see you guys. So you guys can tell me this. So they liquefy this stuff, and they squirt it in the garden, in the fields. And boy, that stuff was pungent, and it was just killing me, and I literally held my breath as long as I could. So um, that to say that my neighbors had... Uh, horses, and they, they had a barn right here, and I, um, my neighbor, Bill, the, the dad uh, over there said, uh, Philip, you know, I was 12, 13-ish, he said, uh, I'll, I'll give you 50 cents if you'll help us uh, clean the, the barn out. Now, that's a lot, of, long time ago, 50 cents would bought me two packs of BBs. I'm like, I'll clean this barn out all day long. I'm with you, buddy. And I go over there, has anybody ever cleaned a barn out? I went out there in tennis shoes in a barn. Now, those of you that have never done this think, yeah, well, what's the big deal? Well, about a foot under that, and I'm not kidding, about a foot under the hay and the other stuff, those little things in there, I won't describe, it'd get real squishy. And I could tell, every, I'd be stepping and I'd hear this, and I didn't think a thing about it. I'm working hard. I got two packs of BBs coming. And when it was all done and we, we finished up, I walked out of that barn and I looked down at my used-to-be white tennis shoes and they're dark brown and greenish. And every step I took, a liquid oozed out from the, on the sides of that. And I thought, ooh, man, I've got that in my tennis shoes. And I, I remember going back over to the house and I went to the door and I, and I got mom and or dad to come to the door. I think it was mom. And she's like, Philip, you're not even coming in this house even if you take your socks and shoes off. You go out there and you get this tub and you wash your feet and then you, you know, scrub them again and all that. And I said, Mom, can you put these in the dirty clothes? She said, throw them away. I'm not putting them in the washing machine. And she threw a pair of socks out and another pair of something that I had to put on my feet. So I here truly is a tremendous example of putting off and putting on before I could get in the house. And that was, that was the case. And honestly, my jeans, I don't remember if she washed them or not, but I think they went out in the trash as well. There's just sometimes some things that you're not going to be able to go into certain places and get certain jobs done with what you're wearing. And if you're going to get a job done, you got to put some things off and put some different 
things on. And that's what Paul's trying to say to this church. If you guys really want to get busy and do something for God, you just cannot go back to the way, listen, the way it used to be and the way you used to live. Can you imagine that? And going back into that old life and, and getting those old stinky clothes. If you can imagine me pulling those old used-to-be tube socks out of the trash and, uh, and trying to put those things back on and those old jeans and trying to go around and work with people and do things, I'm not going to be able to get anything done for God's sake. I know that. And Paul is saying there's just going to be a way you got to live if you want to get a job done for Christ. Verse 17, the walk of the unsaved. He says you just can't live like them anymore. Look at it in verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So he begins to describe here's what you cannot look like. If you're going to use our spiritual gifts to help build up a congregation, we cannot walk like the rest of the lost world is walking. And Paul's words were very clear. Walk uh, not as the Gentiles. Let me tell you, guys, if you were in Ephesus and you walked outside of their church and you stepped out onto the streets of their city, let me tell you what it was like. Just listen. To, I, I took some time to type this out and to share with you some of the things that they were facing. Culturally, Ephesus was, Ephesus was a hotbed of immorality. The temple to Artemis or the temple to Diana, those of you that ever you know, great is, uh, is Diana and so forth. Paul and other uh, apostles got into trouble over that. The temple of, to Diana was there. It was the leading city of debauchery and sexual immorality. Every form of sexual deviancy was practiced there. And they went through and they listed a lot of them, guys, that I just didn't want to read off today as filthy, the things that took place there. Artemis herself was a sex goddess uh, a black idol that looked like a cross between a, a cow and a wolf. She was served by priestesses and prostitutes and eunuchs and singers and dancers and priests, homosexuals. And get this, I thought this was quite interesting. A quarter mile wide perimeter around that temple allowed criminals to find a safe haven from the law as long as they stayed in that semicircle or that circle around the temple. Does that sound familiar to anything today? Like a sanctuary city that allows criminals to find a safe haven, and that's what they had for them there. This added heavily to the corruption and the depravity in that city. And listen to what one of their own philosophers said about this. One Greek philosopher said that the morals of the Ephesians was worse than animals and were fit only to be drowned. <laughs> so you can see the cesspool that marked the world that the Christians were facing in that day. And what he was saying to them is, guys, I just, I, I, I think I've got your attention, he said. I, I think you perked up a little bit when you heard about the, uh, you know, the gifts that you have to be able to serve with. And, and I've seen some general interest in you. He says, but if, uh, if you're really going to serve me, then you need to understand outside the walls or the building or the place where they worship is nothing but sin and debauchery. And it's going to be very easy for what's out there to get in here and to begin to affect your life. And those of you that have been saved, he said, you need to, you got to lead a different life. You can't go back and live like you used to live like before you got saved. So first Paul tells them not to walk 
and one of the first wordings that he uses is, don't walk in the vanity of their mind. That's how a lost man walks. Verse 17 again, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. And I just read to you how they walked. But he describes it as being in the vanity of their mind. And the word vanity there, guys, it simply means that it's something that has no real value to it. You're living an empty life. And after you get done having a, a, what you might call a great day or a Friday night of partying or whatever you might have gotten done with and you thought you had the greatest of times and you go lay down in your bed and you sit there or you lay there and realize just really how empty your life really is. That there really is nothing inside. It's, it's empty. It's all vanity. And it's, it doesn't amount to anything. It's why the lost world is going bonkers because they don't have you know, any kind of purpose in life. He says, don't get back into that kind of a, a, of a lifestyle. And for, for us even here today, guys, think back to your lost days. And remember that vanity and the emptiness of our thoughts and the, the lack of any real value that our thoughts possessed. Don't go back there. I'm so glad I don't uh, go back into that kind of a lifestyle. Does anybody else remember what it used to be like and, the, and what your weekends used to be like? And then, then it went from weekends to just every night and, and how wretched your lifestyle was. And Paul said, you got saved out of that. Take those socks off. Throw them in the trash. Don't put that lifestyle back on again. You're living a brand new life. That's what he's saying. You need to live that way. Next thing he describes them as is in verse 18. Look at that with me also. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So then he tells them, guys, you can't go back and live in that darkened understanding. You know, back then before you got saved, it was understandable that you didn't understand. Does that make sense? That's why they walked in such ignorance before they got saved. You ever wonder why the world lives like they live? You ever wonder why politicians are acting the way they're acting today? You ever wonder why, you know, how could somebody do something so wretched? And I described to you the, 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 the people over in Africa, the missionaries and, and that civil war over there and what they're doing to those people and you say, how can people even live like that? Why would somebody do that? Because they're, they have a darkened understanding. It doesn't make sense to them. And what they were blinded from was the truth of God that could transform their lives, that could change them inside out. Remember when you got saved? Remember what a difference that made in your life? And you, and you look just backwards even five minutes where what you used to be like and say, how in the world could I have lived like that? I'm so thankful to have what I have today. But they live in that blindness, and their, their understanding is not there. But when Christ comes in and changes us, man, what a difference God makes in a person's life. I mean, Christians have had the blinders lifted, amen? Anybody here ever play Blinds Man Bluff? Yeah, that goes way back. But we used to play it in our front yard, and uh, me and my buddies, we'd all, well, there's five or six of us, and we were bored one day, and we said, let's play Blinds Man Bluff. And so one of the, what you do is one guy puts a blindfold on, and then he tries to touch one of you. And you've got to stay in a certain perimeter, and if he can touch you, you're it. And then you've you got to put the blindfold on and try to catch a guy. Well, one guy was, um, was it, and one of, one, one of us, I don't think it was me, 
It could have been, but it could have been somebody else. We got behind a maple tree that was in the front yard. It started making noises like, I'm over here. I'm over here. Oh, boy. He took off running for us, and boom, he hit that maple tree, and he hit the ground. Yeah, we didn't do that anymore. We didn't play blinds man bluff for a long time. But the problem was, the reason he ran into the tree is because his eyes were blinded. And the reason the world is running into all these walls of sin and these, the wickedness that we see in the news today and all the things that we will we'll listen to the news, we'll read the news and see what's going on. You say, how can America, how can America be where we're at today because they're blinded and they cannot see the truth? I get it when they don't get the truth, but what Paul is saying, don't you guys go back into that kind of a lifestyle. Don't let your eyes be darkened to where you're just running into walls yourself now and not understanding what's happening to us. Um, they can't see the beauty of Christ's forgiveness, and they run into all kind of destructive forces in their life. So don't walk like they do. And then he goes on to describe it a little further. The lost man walks with a calloused heart. Boy, this one really stands out to me. Look in verse 19. Who being past feeling, well, that, that alone, it just says it all right there, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now let's think about that for just a minute. Their past feeling. They can't feel anything anymore. There's no conviction at all. I mean, people say to them, how can you live your life like that? It doesn't bother them anymore. They begin to live their life the way they want to live their life, and, and I don't need you telling me what, uh, what to be able to do. I mean, they are, they are past feeling. And that's why the verse said they live out in, uh, look in the middle of verse 19 there, they've given themselves over to lascivious, lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. I remember being a little boy, uh, six, seven years old, sitting in the old Missionary Baptist Temple back in Franklin, Ohio, and oh, Eddie Bates, and, and man, I wish I could introduce to you some of these people that have had such an impact in my life. Little short Eddie Bates could barely see over this pulpit, but man, when he got in that pulpit, he was as tall as a giant to me. I remember him telling this story of uh, uh, an alcoholic, a drunk, that uh, People had tried to witness to him and try to see him get saved, and, and he wanted nothing to do with it. And, and then tragically, one day, one of his little boys passed away. I don't remember what had happened to him. And uh, nobody thought he would come to the funeral. But at the viewing, the alcoholic dad showed up at the funeral, or at the, at the viewing. And while people were milling around, and that drunken dad half staggered over to the casket, when nobody was looking, and then little Eddie Bates would try to tell this story, and Eddie couldn't tell the story without crying, and he began to weep, and he said, uh, he said, that man reached down when nobody was looking and took the brand new pair of shoes they had bought for the funeral for his own son, and took those shoes off and stuck them in his pocket to go out and sell those shoes to be able to buy one more bottle of liquor. I remember how Eddie would just tell that story and he would weep and cry and he would say that's what sin does to a man. You get past where you can feel anything. You're calloused. You, you don't feel conviction anymore. And guys, you know as well as I do, if it happens to Christians, you can sit in church like this. You can hear the word of God preached. 
you can hear the very sin that you are experiencing and going on in your own life. It can be preached on in detail, and you can sit there and just nod and amen with everybody else and act like there's no problem in my life. There's no conviction in your heart because you're calloused inside. You're, like the verse says, he says, the Gentiles are past feeling. They don't know what it's like to have conviction set in anymore and know that God still loves me enough to draw my heart to Him because I cast Him off. And I, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I think it would be an obvious thing for us to say here this morning, would you look into your own heart today and, and look and see if I've gotten to that place where I'm past feeling and it don't bother me anymore to read the Word of God and, and to know that God's trying to speak to my heart. Or a message is trying to deal with my heart. And I can just walk out of here without a problem. God help us. Paul said, don't walk that way anymore. We have a brand new life and the world needs to know there's something different about what we have. Well, you just take that a step further and it takes you into verse 19. Uh, Who being past feeling, giving themselves over unto lasciviousness. You try to say that word. To work uh, all uncleanness with greediness. I mean, they just go at it full steam ahead. And what that means is you'll get to the place where nothing, nothing matters anymore. I'm just going to go after any and everything I want in life, and I'll find any and everything I can to bring any kind of joy to this life. They're depraved. That's what he's trying to say to them. These practices will lead to a depraved mind when you get past feeling what's going to hold you back from doing anything so in a church if the word of god talks to you today it comes right into your house into your address sometimes right into your living room or your bedroom and finds you where you're at and says to you have you gotten to that place where you're depraved and just about anything goes as long as I get without my, with my fellow workers and I'm not around some of the church people, man, I can just about do and say anything. Man, we, we've lost the idea of a congregation building one another up, reaching out to a dying world and bringing them to Christ. And don't get back out there and live like the rest of the world. That's what he's saying. So that's the putting off. Get those stinking clothes back off. What's the big idea going back over to the trash can of your life that you got saved from, pulling out that old lifestyle, slipping on that clothing again, and living like that again? Really? That's what he's saying. Guys, you can't do that. A church can't go that way. But here's what we need to do. The walk of the Christian is in verse 20 to 24. Look in verse 20 with me. But ye have not so learned Christ. I went to a Christian school convention years ago, and I remember, I can't remember who the speaker was, but I remember him trying to tell this story, and he could barely get the story out. But he was trying to encourage us as teachers and as administrators that we're doing a great work and that, you know, we're here to try to help young people's lives be changed for God. And he told the story of a, one Christian school teacher, a woman, who had taught numbers of kids through her uh, lifetime. And somebody had told her about, uh, I'll, I'll just use the word Jack, uh, the name Jack um, as a, a name. And they, they had told her that Jack had, um, 
gotten away from the Lord and, and just about any night of the week you could go to this bar and you'll see his car parked out in front of the bar and if you happen to step inside and look inside, he's sitting there at the, at the counter drinking himself drunk and it broke her heart. This teacher could look back and remember times in the church services where this young man would hit an altar during a, a message that God dealt with his heart and spoke to him and God was... Uh, trying to use that young man in a tremendous way, but he'd gotten into a, a part of his life where the world got a hold of him and he had gone back into the bars or gone into the bars for his first, first time in his life. That teacher heard about that and with a broken heart, she got in her car at the right time of night, drove to that bar, found his car, walked inside that bar, found him sitting over where he was and went over and stood beside him and just began to weep. And she said to him, Jack, you weren't raised this way. You know that. Those were her words. You were not raised to live a life like this. You know how you were raised. You know what the Word of God has said to your life. What are you doing in a place like this? And he said, in just a few minutes, <clears throat> those two were walking out of that bar, arm in arm, uh, both of them weeping and going back into the life they ought to be living. But ye have not so learned Christ. <laughs> Could we say amen to that? This is, that's not the way we learn to live. That old lifestyle is not what Jesus taught us. <clears throat> God's given me a brand new life and a brand new walk. I, I've got a different way that I'm going now. Uh, <clears throat> I wasn't taught to live that way. None of us, after we were saved, were taught to live that kind of a lifestyle. So here's how you ought to live as a Christian. Christians are supposed to put off the old man and put on the new. Um, I'm happy my wife is here today. Have I already said that? Yeah, I've said that because I will. Uh, she loves my illustrations. I'll go to Menards. I'm working on a project at the house. I'm working. Work is dirty. Guys, say amen there. Yeah. So when you go to Menards, you don't want to go put on dress clothes. To go to Menards, I go in my dirty clothes. Now, my dirty clothes may be a little dirtier than what others might be. I had a shirt that I painted in, I've done a mowed in, I've got grease, I've got paint and junk all over it. It is pretty dirty shirty. Uh, and, and I would go there and I came back and I said, honey, I'm home. And I walked in the house. She goes, did you go in that shirt? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the guys high five each other in there. They don't care what we're wearing. They love the, the dirty shirts. You need to take that off and you need to put on, as a matter of fact, she goes, don't even put that in their dirty clothes. That one needs to be thrown away. You'll be happy to know. She doesn't quite talk like that, but um, that's the way I hear her talking. <laughs> so it's now in the rag bag. She can be happy with that. And I put my dress shirt on. No, I don't when I go to Menards. So the old man. Paul says, don't let that old man come back on you. You know what the old man is? The old man is your old nature. It's what you used to live like before you got saved. Please listen to this. So when I got saved, the old man I got rid of, and I got a brand new nature in Jesus Christ. Now some people like to say, you know, you've got, you got, the, uh, they got the black dog and you got the white dog on the inside barking. Whichever dog barks the loudest is the one that you choose to obey. Personally, I believe this. I believe when I got saved, 
My old nature died with Jesus Christ. Read Romans. It's very clear. And the old man does not have resurrection power. Jesus was the only one that came up out of that grave. My old nature, my sin was on Christ. He took it to Calvary, was buried with it. When he came out of that ground, he rose with new life and my sin was done away with. And when I got saved, that old nature no longer is a part of me. Well, why then do I give in to sin so much if I don't have the old nature? Because you still have this wrapped around your soul. Your soul and spirit, it's saved, it's clean, it's, it has a pure standing with God, but this flesh is still liable to the devil. It, it, it sometimes gives in to Satan. It still listens to his whispers, and it still gets into a guy's head and his mind sometimes, and Paul is simply saying, you had an old nature, don't go back and take it back to yourself all those old ways again. Christians need to live like Christians that have a brand new nature. Put on that new man, verse 24, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness. This is what it's supposed to look like, in righteousness and true holiness. Has anybody else ever memorized Galatians 2.20? Now, I have too, and about the time I try to quote a verse out loud that I've memorized, my brain kind of goes dead, but can we listen to Galatians 2.20 for a bit? If you know it, you can say it with me. Paul said... I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that the way it ends up? You know what's exciting about that? I was crucified with Jesus, but I'm, a, I'm still alive. But it's not me that has the life now. It's Christ in me. He's the one supposed to be living my life. And when this flesh comes up screaming, somebody upsets you, somebody did something to really hurt you or to, to damage you, or they did something that you think was horrible and wrong that should have never happened in my family, in my church, in my circle then I'm going to tell you, friends, don't go back to that old man, that old nature, and pull him back out and begin acting out like him. God is looking for Christians. God wants to find a church where it's Jesus living his life and not a bunch of people still acting like their old man with that old nature. He's looking for some young people in a church that will go out into a world and determine, I don't need to look like all the other young people in the world I have a new life. It's no longer my life. It's Jesus' life today. It's going to be all about Him. And I, I don't know how long it's been since you've, uh, Romans 12, 1, uh, presented your body a living sacrifice to God. But any service like this or any one similar would be a good time to make your way to an old-fashioned altar and bow down and say, God, just a new presentation to you. Here's my life. If there's anything about my old life that I've been demonstrating in this life, then I'm here to put it off. I'm coming back. I don't want that old life to be a part of me anymore. I want Christ to be seen in my life. I want the new life of Christ to be on me and others to see that in me. And while I have a spiritual gift that you've given me to serve you with, if God looks in the back door of a church and watches my life, I want him to be able to see a man that's walking with God my old life off to the side and a new life living for Christ.
The only way you can do that is to know him as your Savior. The only way you can walk in the Lord is to have Christ living in your life and taking control of your life because it's your sin that's the problem in the first place. And God would be willing to forgive that sin and give you brand new life today. It's called getting saved. You want to call it being born again. Some call it regeneration. It's the day that you ask God to forgive you of your sin and ask Him to come in and give you a brand new life. If you don't know Him today as your Savior, I'm going to challenge you when we give the invitation, as others may respond to what God may have spoken to them about, friend, would you be willing to join me here at the front and let me take the Word of God and show you how to be saved without a doubt. Get it settled in your heart today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.